What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Dogs and Hogs with Russ Tanner. We got Roddy Nabulsi back on the boards. I'm Bobby Andrews, and we have special guest Georgia legend David Pollock joining us today. Good friend of Russ, isn't he? Look, I don't. Let's not get started on this whole legend stuff. All right, <laughs> like the dude has got a big head to begin with. So let's <laughs> hey, not. It, I, I'm sorry, but legend is correct. First of all. <laughs> Um, because I'm Russ Tanner's roommate, like the legend of Russ Tanner. Like that is just, it's continuing to grow now on here doing, doing media. You're officially a member of the media, Russ Tanner. No, I, that I, get, I, get, I get to have you on my show. I like, yeah, I, you dang skippy. Is, we're, we're taking a picture. It's hanging up on the refrigerator tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but obviously we weren't here last week. Last week we took a little bit of a bye yep. week. We had, well, you had. Uh, Mark Rick's bowling tournament. Yeah, how'd that go? Talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was great. DP was there. It was, it was awesome because there was a lot of a uh, lot of former players there, a lot of current players there. Um, huge amount of support. And Coach Rick, man, that bowling tournament was a lot of fun. And um, I asked Coach today, and they're bumping eight hundred thousand dollars raised for Parkinson's and Crohn's research wow. through UGA. So uh, yeah, it's so it's so cool. We're gonna talk some. I don't know what I was on the show tonight, but we're gonna talk some about impact and some of that tonight. But for for a guy like Coach Rick. And David can speak into this some too. He obviously had a huge impact for us on the football field, on the University of Georgia, on the program. But seeing the impact he has on people's lives has a much—it's—it's it's way bigger than football. So yeah, it was—it was awesome to be a part of it. I was just glad to be asked to be alongside of UJ legends like my man here. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. It was uh, first of all, like I think me and Russ would both say the same thing. Like Coach Rick called me. He's like, hey. Uh, doing a blank turn. I was like, I'm in. He was like, well, it's for the, I'm in. I, I don't care what it's for, coach. Like, I'm man. in. Like, whatever whatever you do, I'm in. And, and especially somebody like me, man. Like, you know, I, I didn't have a, I have a phenomenal dad. But, but you know, I, I didn't have a, a, a dad that, like, knew about, knew, knew, that had a faith that walked it out. And so, Coach Rick, to show me what that looked like and Chappie and those guys, like, you know, had a huge impact. Russ showed me what it looked like at a young age. Um, it was really, really cool, but like, it was just, it was cool to have the guys there too. Russ was over there working on, you know, past sets and teaching these guys, uh, Russ, wasn't that cool though? Those kids literally like the kids that are at there now, like we could give you the names and go down the list. Like they actually wanted to learn and they were trying to pick our brains. And I was like, dude, these kids actually, they, they care a lot. So that was really cool to see. And we were, um, we were talking about workouts yesterday. So we've got a group that workouts, that works out together. And um, we were talking about just how engaged all the players were. And I was super impressed with the job. And I'm sure they they handpicked the guys that were coming to the event. But, man, every kid there was, I'm talking about, extremely well-spoken. They were excited to be there. They wanted to talk to you. We had um, Bo Hughley. Where's Bo, Hug Bo Hughley from, Roddy? Uh, Somewhere in Atlanta? Yes. Uh, I've heard, you, You'll think you, of it. You, Put Roddy, that's bull crap. You don't know that answer. Are you Roddy kidding me? He only runs a recruiting service. And he yeah. You have one job right now to know that stuff. I'm trying to get – I'm doing technical stuff over here on the side. So we had, we, had Bo, we had Bo Hugel in our lane who was great. I mean, the dude was such a great personality. And then Gabe Harris walked up, uh, out a defensive lineman, plays all five positions on the D-line. We're talking about that some. And then um, – the, the crazy thing was, I was like, hey, man, that's Pollock. And he was like, who? I was like, bro, look, you play defensive end. Like, you ain't got to know who the center was in 04, but you got to know who DP is. And I introduced him. Next thing I know, they were sitting there, and Pollock's like showing him how to do his hips, how to shoot a hand, how to take on a tackle or a pass pro. And those guys were eating it up, man. It was awesome. 
Yeah, it was cool. Hey, Bobby, do you know the story of how me and Russell Thurston Tanner uh, met? No, I do not. I, but I would ask, love to hear it. I'm sure everybody ask, else would too. Ask Russ. It's a pretty good story. All right. So you may tell it now. All right. Yeah. So we. <laughs> yeah, he said he's a, he's in the communion hall at church. So yeah, he's like, tell the story, dude. I got it, man. So we were. It was, I guess, going into probably junior year of high school. Um, probably was it after junior year anyways it was summer in high school and we came to a lineman camp and there are 400 kids at this camp right they're all linemen and for the most part no offense to those guys who are listening but out of the 400 there 390 of them are just high school kids who are excited to be at the Jim Dunham football camp to get a jersey being around Athens whatever but there were eight or ten kids who you could just look at and tell like all right that dude's different. He's bigger. He's faster. You could kind of tell the guys that were going to be college guys there. They were trying to, um, they were trying to, uh, you know, catch the coach's eye, make something happen. And I remember seeing Kedrick Golston. I saw Ooh. Gerald Anderson. Anderson. Um, you know, you saw just all these monster guys over there. And then I saw Pollock, and you looked at him, and, and he was a big kid too. I mean, even that year, he was, you know, 6'3", 250, and could move. So I eyeballed him. He eyeballed me. And we start to stretch first day of practice. And the defense was lined up on that side of the 50. The offense on this side of the 50. So we're kind of facing each other. And he and I were looking at each other. We're 10 yards apart. And he, I guess he looked at me and thought, that dude's obviously an athlete. I mean, look at me, right? So <laughs> we were going, we started stretching and we would go down and do like jumping jacks. And it was like, one, two, three, one. And Paula looks at me and he's like, one, two, three, one. <laughs> and then it's like time to do a right foot stretch. He reaches down. And then he looks at me, and he reaches to the left and looks at me. And I was like, are you trying to beat me stretching? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah. I was like, why? He's like, I don't know. I thought you were a guy I need to beat. And then they played a game called dog ball, which is like razzle-dazzle, two-hand touch flag football. We Marcus, played Marcus McNeil, baby. Marcus, Marcus McNeil, McNeil from Auburn. We paid Marcus McNeil a dollar to switch. One American dollar. And Pollock came to my team, and I was a quarterback all my life growing up. And Pollock is just a bull of a dude against, like, power forward basketball. So this was all lineman camp. There were no little fast guys there. So I could scramble around, outrun the other little fat lineman chasing me. He would run deep, and I'd throw as far as I could, and he would body everybody out of the way and go get every ball. Our closest game was 49 to nothing. Oh no way. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess we're best friends now. So. <laughs> That that's how we became best friends and roommates and and literally to this day best friends. Yeah, he he tried to beat me stretching though. That was the first time I ever saw the dude. He tried to beat me stretching. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, but let's talk about this bowling contest a little bit more. Yeah. Did, did who, who won? Uh, Warren Brinson. Really? I beat he, Russ. Uh, what? I was about to say we. <laughs> I, I want to know who beat who. Our team, I, our team got I, second, I, and my high score was better than Russ's. All right. <laughs> what was your What was your high score? 187. You're lying. It was not. All right. <laughs> moving on. Warren Brinson. I don't believe it. Warren Brinson was on the winning team. I don't know. He had a lot of like little regular accountant dudes and they could have paired both. They brought their own shirts, their own balls and all that. Oh, I thought you meant like Warren Brinson like took up like he can bowl. I think he's pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. My team was not good. I had John Stinchcomb. <laughs> not good. Loser. I had, I had Jarvis Jones. Loser. Not good. Um, we had one more on our they team. They both me oh, half. Don't say, don't say this. We had David Jacobs, and David Jacobs, like, he's like, our team sucks. I had a stroke. I was like, oh, DJ. <laughs> he was my boy. I love him. He's my favorite player. DJ, so, DJ gets a pass. They're like, all right, DJ, you're good. We have, we have fun, though. 
That's so, yeah. I love that guy. But I guess he, if he bowled 187, he beat me. But we got, we got, I think we got second. So we were we were close, but you know what? Close gets you, not a dang thing. So that's right. No belts. Close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, atomic bombs. And I've coined this the price is right. So I've no. also added that to the end of that, by the way. So stand with it. Trademark Bobby Andrews, by the way. Anyways, um, let's talk about some EGA football. Last time we were on the show, or yeah, I think it was last time. I wore blue shoes and you made fun of me. So I yes. made sure to wear my red shoes today. Okay. I like to, it. To support the Bulldogs because I did not hit record on the camera. So if you will, sorry, Roddy. Um, <clears throat> I'm still here, dude. Yeah, don't we're, worry. we're still there. I can still see you. Damn I can it. hear y'all are good. Let's Keep rolling. Roll. Anyways, um, let's get into some UGA football here. The last time we talked, I think it was the Kentucky game or. We ended the Kentucky game. We we're previewing the yeah. Vandy game. No, we had a bye week. No, I thought we, I think we were doing Kentucky right because you had on DP. This dude wore a pair of blue and white Jordans on the show on Kentucky week. Bad, I was like, Bobby, bad, bad business, bro. Come on now, you got to know the week, Bobby. That's, you got to do better than that. Listen, yeah, hey, we'll teach you the ropes. Russ will teach you the ropes, but like you don't wear the colors of the team you're going against. If you had blue ones on today, we'd go ahead and throw you out the interview. Oh, uh, trust me, that's why I specifically made sure not to wear them today. So, uh, yeah, obviously we're talking about some some Florida here in a little bit, but let's recap. We had the bye week this past week, but before that, we played Vandy. Yeah. Had some injuries and stuff occur, some major injuries. Uh, Dogs ended up winning 37-20, to 20, um, but talk about the loss of Brock Bowers and, and Pollock, you know, chime in here as well. I mean, how big of a loss is that for Georgia moving forward? It's a big loss. I mean, it's Captain America. That's my comp for him. Um, he's just he's just special, man. So good. I mean, he's your leading wide receiver. He's the main focus of your offense. And he's the chess piece that makes everything easy. And when I say that, if you want to bring in nickel or bring in fa- more fast, you know, more speed on the field, less big bodies, okay, we run the football and block. Brock is a great blocker. You want to bring in bigger bodies, okay, we'll split Brock, at, block, Brock out right now and take advantage of you. So – I think he identifies things very easily for the offense. I think it puts more emphasis on the offensive line. It's got to be more physical. Um, I think the good thing is Lucky's worked his way back, and I think he's healthy. Um, so that's good. You got you still got a couple tight end with Lucky and Delt that that you can trust on. But I think you see more more spread. I think you're going to see more love. You know, Dom. You're going to see more McConkey and Ra Ra all on the field at the same time. You know, spread it out. We got to be able to run the football, but. Um, I, I think this offense has proven to me that, um, you know, I think you can tr- trust Carson Beck. I just – I trust him. I, I like what I've seen from him. But you can't replace that dude. He's he's one of the best in all of college football. Ooh, I like that, DP. Tell him again. I, you know, Brock Bauer, like you said, I mean, he said exactly. No point in me repeating that. I think the biggest concern for this Georgia team right now on offense is going to be the offensive line because you've mm-hmm. had Myers Mims out for several weeks. Trust was at guard. He moved out to tackle. He's banged up. We're not sure exactly where he's at. Blasky was in the rotation early on in the year. He's been banged up. So your three guys that are rep for you at right tackle all have question marks right now. And, you know, that offensive line, we talked about this on the show, they need chemistry more than anywhere else on the field. They've got to gel. The, it wasn't mean when they gel. It means that they can react to what they see at the same time with the same strategy, the same game plan, without having to verbally communicate it. They are on the same page. And when you get guys that are rotating at positions that haven't got all the reps at practice, they've been running with the twos, running with the threes, jumping in with the ones, you just don't have that continuity that you do after you played five, six, seven, eight games in a row. Hey, he's on a podcast. Leave him alone. This is important. This is the biggest <laughs> podcast in America. <laughs> um, 
So, but you know, that's the issue. That's the issue that you, that Georgia is going to run into some is who's actually healthy on the O-line. Georgia, Georgia, I, I heard this stat day. Somebody told me this stat. I did not, I did not come up with it. You know how many sacks we've given up this year? Anybody know? Two. More than that. That would be unbelievable. Six. Six sacks on the year through seven five. games. So that's really good. 2003, I was the oldest offensive lineman on our team. I was a redshirt sophomore. We give up 47 sacks in a year. So we're on track to give up about 10 or 12 this year as a team. So Carson Beck's been upright. He's been protected. And he's delivered. If they can't protect him, what does this offense look like? That's the question, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I think Kirby Smart, in his press conference yesterday, I believe he said Mims is back practicing as well as Truss. I don't know how far along they are. Uh, Roddy may have more Well, he says out there. Okay. Now, out there is a very, as uh, David can attest, when he's doing, you know, comes and does Not game practicing. prep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it means they are on the field. They might be sure. on a bike, but that does not mean they're taking reps. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to get David's take on this. You could actually have a redshirt freshman and a true freshman as your two tackles out there. And if you're a, you know, that's a big deep. Uh, Ernest deep, Green. Yeah. And, and who's M- the Monroe Freeling. Oh, true yeah. freshman. He's yeah. like six eight, right? He's a he's a big boy. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you're a and that defensive front for Florida is big across, you know, they're they're All big right. boys. So, so let's ask what, D, let's I, ask DP I, this I question. Know, how would he yeah. how would he attack two young freshmen? Yeah. So if you see that DP, so there's your question, right? You're coming in, you see Mims, who's going to be a high draft pick, just off physical ability. Trust has been a very good football player. If they're both out, you know, you got a true freshman lining up for you at tackle as a defensive lineman. I mean, what changes for you mentally going into that situation? Well, obviously, you know, you, you, you're excited about that. Um, you know, as you get older in your career, which is really cool, I got to pick which side I wanted to rush. I'd definitely be going to the true freshman side. <laughs> I can promise you that. I'd be like, yeah, we're going to go uh, We're gonna go after him. Um, but I, I tell you what, you know, you watch Florida's defense. They got some big dudes, obviously, too. But if you watch – just watch number one this weekend. Like, when you watch him come off the edge, really, really, really good. So is that a guy that I'm going to have to have help with? You know, how does the screen game work into it? But what you said was the most important thing. Can I run the football? Like, I got to be able to run the football. Like, run the football, keep them off balance. Like, if you let me, you know, get in passing situations and let me peel my ears back and come after the quarterback, like, it's going to be a long day and you don't want that. But, you know, it's been interesting. But, Russ, everybody, every time we've taken those hits along the offensive line, you've talked about it's kind of plug and play. And they kind of just plug and play. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible because you got a bunch of big bodies. They all look very similar. Um, Mims getting back would be would be great because he's just interesting. He's just a different dude. Like he doesn't set like everybody else. And when I say that, like a lot of tackles have to set and use technique that are really good. And then some people are just freaks that are six foot eight that just set back and are so big and athletic. They just catch you and they're so big. There's nothing you can do about it. So um listen i i think that uh you'll have guys that'll work in but i know they'll be talented i know beck knows how to hum the football so i think this offense will score points dp we got it we got folks commenting on our thread as we go and that last guy said careful whoever came in the door behind you looked a lot like a michigan intern might be stealing (laughs) that's pretty good watch them watch them yeah, Harbaugh, Harbaugh, Harbaugh's trying to get in on your uh, middle school basketball, girls' basketball signs. Don't mess with Duck Creek Knight, baby. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, the chemistry with the offensive line. Yeah. I, I know Tay Rowage talked about, you know, having to adjust a lot to the guys on, on his left and rights. And and when he Monroe Freeland came in, he had to – he was kind of tripping all over the place yeah. and, and saying it, it's an adjustment whenever you 
have because each guy has their own different type of play styles. Yeah, only the offensive linemen use excuses like that bull crap, by the way. <laughs> defensive line, we don't use that excuse. Shut up, man. Like, get in the game linemen. and play. Defensive linemen, on, on, as a whole, are dumb people. <laughs> they have to line up, and their job is go get the ball. Okay, coach. B-ball, <laughs> they are a bunch ball. Of, they're a bunch of mouth-breathing ball chasers. That's what they do. Offensive linemen have to be more intelligent. I'm, I'm going to let that last statement – I'm not going to say a word about what you just said because if you think about it, it wasn't good. We're going we're gonna to flush that comment, and we're going to move on. But, yeah, that's why we play defense because we're, we're not very bright. We just see ball get ball. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, any other things to note about the Vandy game, or is that just kind of in the back of our minds at this point? I mean, Bowers got hurt, dude. Other than that, there's going to be nothing else we remember about that Vandy game yeah. 10 years from now. Yeah. So. That's a good point. A, a lot of guys were complaining about the turf there, too, um, so that's been that's been an issue uh, as well. But I know grass is usually the preferred surface to play on. I don't know, I don't know if you guys ever – did they have turf? Like, no. Okay. No, at least we had locker rooms when we were at Vandy. <laughs> this week they were dressing out in a tent. Literally, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. That Vandy, that Vandy feel for a game is a little different when you got like more crowd, more more of a crowd than them on away place, and it's just sleepy. Like you got to kind of get yourself kind of motivated to, to to do some work. That's a different. That's a different stage. Yeah. By the way, I just realized why my comment was not a good comment, and you're right. We're gonna push that. We're gonna scrub. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna scrub that one. <laughs> If you if you go back and listen, yeah, just, nah, 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 hey, hey, and I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you a story from Reese Davis. We're doing Thursday night football, and uh, this me and Palmer were in the booth with them, and it was Texas versus TCU, and um, Reese is so professional, so good, doesn't miss very many moments, and uh, Cody Johnson was a big tank of a running back for Texas, and he runs the TCU guy over and just plows into the end zone. And uh, he gets in the end zone, and they're going to replay, and Cody's, like, flexing, and Reese, and they're showing the replay, and Reese is like, and TCU gets a face full of Johnson. And he goes to commercial. And me and Jesse Palmer lean up, and we're like, and Reese was like, what? What? And I was like, and then he goes, oh, crap. (laughs) He was like, oh, crap. I can't believe I just said that. So. It happens. It happens at the highest level, and there's so many with football like that that you can slip in there that actually get really, really rough. So, so no harm, no foul. Yeah, I love it. Let's go ahead. I was gonna say you, aside from Xavier Trust, uh, Kendall Bolton yeah. got pulled out of that game. Yeah, and you talk about being able to run the ball, David. Uh, thoughts on that kind? Of, last year, Dejan Edwards railed all over uh, Florida, if, yep. but. How important would it be to have him and Kendall Milton together? Well, Dejan's the best by far of our running back group. And I say that because I think he does such an unbelievable job setting up blocks. And he's got like a – I don't think he's an elite speedster, but he's got that little bit of shake that makes people miss. Um, I'll tell you this, too. I, I think Bell's really good. Like, I, I could see Bell getting um, – you know, aside from him being the wrong number and not looking like a running back because of the, the wide receiver number, I think he's our next best running back. Milton, you know, he's a big physical kid, but man, oh man, he's just had the hardest time staying healthy. Like throughout his whole dang career, poor guy, like since he's come in, it's been one thing after another, but respected his running versus Kentucky. I thought he did a good job of yards after contact, staying balanced. 
Um, so I think Dejon, Dejon and Bell is a great one-two punch for you, and I think you'll be all right there. It's crazy to me with how with how well Kirby has recruited. I mean, Kirby has recruited better than anybody in the country for the last five years. It is crazy to me how thin we are at running back right now. By the way, I mean it's it's absolutely kind of it's kind of nuts, honestly. Well, but I, 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 can I follow that up and say how yeah, crazy sure. he's recruited on the defensive side of the ball? I'm not sure. Like we've been, you know, that I don't I don't think we've been top five on the. Oh, now listen, we got Brock. Um, which which is an unbelievable get. And by the way, another good story. Another good story. By the way, I'm at Clemson and I'm talking to the Clemson guys, and I'm like, uh, I'll never forget. I was on the field before the game. I think uh, last year or two years ago. And I'm like, hey, did did didn't y'all have Brock in the camp? Yeah, and he's like, yeah. And the guy was shaking his head, and uh, he was like, I was like, why are you shaking your head? He's like, yeah, one of our coaches thought he was too short, and didn't offer him. They thought he was the best player in camp, but then they looked at him and they're like, man, he's too short. I just don't want to offer him. And then Georgia offers him. And you're like, yeah. And then he plays against you, you know, and you you take that, you take, you hold that L first game. Um, but so it was a good story. But no, I think just the, the, the elite recruiting on the defensive side of the football. Listen, Mitchell gone to Texas, right? Like Burton gone to Alabama. Um, you've had some other guys, but like the running back spot, I think uh, Branson Robinson hurt, you know, so. Yeah been banged up but the defensive side of the football man has been generational type recruiting elite stupid unbelievable recruiting especially on that defensive front side well they need to play like it this week because it's time for the defense to look elite again like we had the last two years they've done fine this year but the defense hasn't dominated yet i'm i'm ready to see that i'm ready to see georgia's defense dominate a football game and i don't know if they have the talent in the past years to do that but i mean they're gonna need them this week man florida's bet florida's better than georgia fans think they are yeah Georgia, that, that'll be a perfect segue into this upcoming weekend's game. Georgia-Florida, obviously, in Jacksonville. Georgia's favorited by 14-and-a-half. What does Georgia need to do specifically on both sides of the ball to win this game? Which side do you want, DP? You want to go offense or defense? I'll, I'll take, take defense. You take offense. I'll take offense. All right. I mean, they got to keep – you got to give Carson Beck time. You've seen him – throw the football. David, what's your thing about throwing it through a car wash and not getting it wet? Dude can throw it through a car wash and not get it wet. That thing just <laughs> So he can throw the ball over the place. And Georgia's got enough talent at receiver, even though the tight end's there. If you give him time, he will find the open guy and put the ball on the money. If Florida's able to put pressure on Carson Beck, if they're able to shut the Georgia running game down, meaning if they do those two things, by the way, if they take the running game away from Georgia and put pressure on Carson Beck, they are dominating on the line of scrimmage. And that's how you win SEC football games. It has been ever since the days of Wally Butts, and it's going to be after Kirby Smart is gone. If you win the line of scrimmage, you win the football game. You win in the SEC. So Georgia's got to be able to keep him upright, and we've got to run the ball. You cannot become one-dimensional and throw the ball 50 times and beat Florida. So Georgia, Dejan Edwards. Dylan Bell is a big week. You know, whoever it is, we've got to have a 100-yard rusher, and you've got to give Carson Beck time to find Ladd McConkey, to find Ra-Ra Thomas, to find Dom Lovett, whoever it is. If you give him time, he'll deliver. Yeah, and I think when you look at the defensive side of the football, I only see one thing that's elite when it comes to Georgia defense, and elite is third-down defense. That's something that they're really, really good at. They're so good at understanding sticks. They're so good at understanding uh, when the quarterback's throwing – they're not great at rushing the passer like they've been in the past, but they're great at playing route concepts. The best one-two safety punch in the country. So 
if Georgia's defense can be good um, like they've been on third downs, Florida's bad, really bad on third downs, um, or, or like we, we would say, very ungood, another way to say they suck. Um, so uh, I think that that will be the key for them. But this defense is not close to what it's been, but it's got some strengths that it's got to accentuate. But I look for this defensive line um, to start playing a little bit better, for the backers to start playing a little bit better. It's a good thing Graham Mertz can't really run. Um, he's more of a statue back there. But um, but I do think he's he's been pretty good. He's been high completion percentage. But but I do think this the third down defense will decide the football game. There you go. Yeah, you were talking about uh, keeping Carson Beck upright. Yeah, the team that has the has generated the fewest sacks in the SEC is Florida. They have eleven sacks on the year. That's about one and a half per game. Yep. So they're not really getting after a quarterback. Uh, Georgia's not much better. Not much better. I say we can't be far behind that. Yeah, Georgia's got 12. Hey. 12 sacks through. So that's basically 1.7 per game. They're not really there. Now, Georgia, as you pointed out, has only given up six sacks. Florida's given up 19. So, uh, and, and again, people say, well, you know, sacks are different. Texas A&M has 29. Yeah. You, you know, know early, early, you can still get to the quarterback. Alabama's got 28. You can yeah. still get there. Georgia's not getting there. And, you know, early in the year when we played, hey, we played Ball State or somebody like that. You know, you're talking about you're not going to sack the quarterback because they get the ball out quickly. It's catch the ball, throw the ball. It's dink and dunk. It's throwing bubble screens. It's throwing flare. All this quick stuff. At some point, though, once you play six or seven games, your sack number should be higher than that. It doesn't matter what the offense is doing. You've had opportunity. Now, Georgia's, Georgia's been productive on defense. But, again, as you get into these teams, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, that have better weapons on the outside than what we face so far, if you don't get to the quarterback – they're going to sting you. So keys to the game boils down to winning in the trenches from both sides of the ball. Always has been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, would you rather have an elite front seven and an average perimeter or an average front seven and an elite perimeter? Give me the elite front seven all day long and you win more football games. Yeah. Well, and you've seen Georgia's. That's, that's been our philosophy for winning championships the past couple of years. I mean, we've been elite in the defensive line, elite at linebacker, you know, kind of okay in the back end. And, um, and I think you've seen that work, but you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't think this team wins with elite defense. I don't think Georgia runs the table and goes undefeated in the regular season because of their defense. I think there's only one reason. I think it's Carson Beck. Like Damn. Carson Beck will be the reason Georgia gets as far as they want to get this year or they don't. He's going to have to spin the ball. Like he's going to have to put up monster numbers. We're not just going to pound people out. That's not going to happen. I think this, we have to have a lot of balance. We have to continue to be we're one of the most aggressive teams in the country on first down. We got we got to keep that going and keep that rolling. But we're we're gonna be a passing team and we're gonna be an offensive team that well, I think we're gonna get in some shootouts this year. Um, and another thing too that Georgia hasn't done, we, we haven't taken the ball away. Like we got a couple of lucky bounces against UAB where we got some strange interceptions. Um, and we've had a couple of those tipped interceptions, but we're not good at creating havoc plays and um and and that's that's Get the offenses razzled. Get them behind the sticks. Kentucky game, we got them behind the sticks, but it really wasn't us as much as it was penalties. You know, they had holding penalties and personal foul penalties, and it got them behind the sticks, and they weren't able to to run the football like they wanted to. So, if we can continue to to be good on third down, it's great. But we got to apply more pressure, and we got to create some turnovers, which we haven't been great at this season either. Yeah, yeah. Zach Zach Mertz being Zach Mertz being. Did I say his name right? Graham Mertz. Who is Zach Mertz? That's his cousin. <laughs> That's his brother. Oh, That's okay. Wow. I'm thinking Zach Metz. Yeah. 
I actually read his Wikipedia page the other day as randomly as that is. He's an analyst for Alabama now on offense. That's a, why, so, why did you read his Wikipedia page? I don't know. <laughs> I got down a rabbit hole. I didn't mean to, but anyway. <laughs> how did you get down that rabbit hole? I need that's to know how I, you got there. That's when I, when I got to the point where I was reading Zach Mettenberger's Wikipedia page, I knew I needed to do something different with the day. <laughs> hey, I, Tony's I think, finest, baby. I, I think somebody, I was listening to something on the radio and they were just talking about the game when Mettenberger and uh, Murray were going up against each other at Sanford Stadium. And I was Great like, game. I wonder what, what Mettenberger's doing now. So I, that's how I got it. Anyways, mortgage business is doing great, huh? Just yeah, let's just stick to the <laughs> Wikipedia pages of Zach Mettenberger. It's okay. Hey, you wait till uh, I start editing your Wiki, editing your Wikipedia page tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna erase Georgia legend out of there just because he's salty. Anyways, uh, let's compare Graham Mertz and Carson Beck. Obviously, these guys are similar in a lot of different areas in their stats. Carson Beck is 173 for 235 on the year. 2,147 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. Mertz is 170 for 223, 100 or 1,897 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. So Beck leads him by about 250 passing yards. Yeah. What does that show about Graham Mertz? Obviously, I I think what you're going to say is he's a check down Charlie. (laughs) I mean, to an extent, but I mean, was he throwing for? Get, he's bumping 300 yards a game, and Florida has a good running attack. So they've been when they're good on offense, they're balanced what they do. I mean, that's a coach speak thing. But if they can if they can threaten you running the ball and throwing the ball, that's what an offense will do. And they've been able to do that so far. Mertz has been that guy for him. It does help Georgia, by the way. And DP hit on this earlier that he is going to be in that pocket. We struggle against the Robbie Ashfords of the world that are going to get out of pocket and put us in, in bad situations because Georgia's so good fundamentally on defense, and they're so good with their assignments and their rules and all that. We get in trouble when there's a breakdown and an athlete just takes off. And by the way, that's that's the case for most defenses. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that um, I've heard – I haven't heard him talk about this as much before tonight, but, like, it sounds like you're a true Beck believer over there, DP. I mean, I like it. I, I had Beck before the season in, in New York for the Heisman. So I, I definitely am a, a huge believer. I think he's got – I think he's just got insane talent. I think it worked out well that he's been here so long was, and got so much experience in the offense. And I think that really, really matters. You know, you, you see the weapons, and obviously you don't know that Brock's going to get hurt. But Ra-Ra Thomas, man, he show, that sucker will go up and get it. And, and he can make some plays. And obviously Dom's quick as a cat. In the, I mean, I just, McConkey, like there's just – I think there's a lot of weapons. I think he'll continue to flourish. Two things, Russ, got to come back. When you say – we struggle against Ashfords of the world. Good Lord. That's how far our defense has fallen. You know, we don't struggle with those type of cats. We struggle with Robbie Ashford who doesn't start and comes in, you know, in sparing roles. <laughs> really good, really good indication of our defense. But two, if you watch Florida, like if you watch Florida against Utah, you watch Florida against Tennessee, um, they've gotten better. But the one thing I'll say about this is I question their physicality. I question their ability to move people off of the football. Graham Mertz has got a little bit of mobility, but not a lot. I'll be interested to see because I don't really know what their identity is. I don't watch them and say they're a great running team. They're a great team. Pedestrian. I've seen them look. I've seen them look good at times, but I've also seen them look very. I don't think this Florida offense. I do think this Georgia defense should be able to have a lot of success against the offense. 
All right. I'm going to recap because he chopped up on us a little bit. His feed messed up a little bit. But y'all heard him, right? He said, it doesn't really know what Florida's uh, identity is. He used the word pedestrian. They've been okay at several things a couple of times, but just not 100% sure what they're going to come out and hit you with and what they do really well. So identity is huge. It's huge for people. It's huge for offenses. You got to know what you're about. And Florida doesn't yet. So hopefully, hopefully they don't find that identity against us this weekend. Yeah. Um, God. David, is uh... – the team that Georgia is going to see this weekend, will this be the Florida team that uh, got blown out by Kentucky or this will be the team that hided uh, Tennessee? I don't think you ever expect a bad, unmotivated Florida team to show up against Georgia. Like one thing we've proven this, first of all, one thing we've proven this year is people are going to play us. Like you're talking about the streak and how many wins in a row, two-time national champs. Like Florida would love more than anything because let's be honest, Russ, as a player, what was your number one hated team? Florida. Florida. It ain't close. Okay, yeah. you don't. You, and so I think I think it's probably pretty dang mutual. And to have a uh, to be able to come in and end the streak. By the way, the last time I think in the regular season Georgia lost was to Florida, right? So like a chance Ooh. to um, a chance to to wreck a season, a chance to wreck Georgia's success. I think Florida would absolutely relish that. I think they'll be pissed off. I think they'll play with so much energy early. Uh, and I think that matters, by the way. Like, when you play with emotion and you play with, um, you know, all that drilling early in the game, like, can you sustain it for four quarters? No. But you dang sure can start fast. And we've seen Georgia. We got a tendency to start slow because everybody's ready for us, guys. Like, there ain't no sneaking up on nobody yeah. anymore. Well, and, and you know, if Florida comes out with all that energy against a slow-starting Georgia, it's like if you're in a prize fight, right? And it's kind of like we're heavyweight fights right now. And that's the crazy thing about the SEC. If you watch heavyweight boxers, you compare them to, like, the lightweight guys. In the heavyweights, it's different because if that dude – boxer A may be a lot better than boxer B. But if boxer B throws one right hook and catches you, you are out. Because they're that powerful. That's what happens when you play when Georgia plays Florida. We have won X amount of games in a row. We have won so many on the road, so many at home, two like all that stuff. Florida can throw a punch and knock you out. And by the way, Georgia can too. But if they come out early, point is they've got the talent, they've got the ability, they've got the players. Vandy did not, by the way. Alcorn State, ball, whoever we played the first two games, little sister of the poor, they could punch all they want to. They're not knocking Georgia down. Yeah. If Florida comes out on fire and throws a right hook and connects against a slow starting Georgia trying to throw a jab, just fill them out, and Georgia gets in a hole, they're in a bad spot. Yeah. I, I said this. Uh, it, somebody asked me recently, like, what is there enough motivation in this game? Or is it has has the rivalry kind of died off a little no. bit? And hey, I thought, man. and I thought to myself, if if there was a year for Florida to have an extra chip on their shoulder to yeah. come into this game and want to punch Georgia in the mouth, it will be this year. It'll be this game. It'll be Georgia trying to three-peat, and Florida can mess up that in, in one game. So that's yeah. that's my opinion on this game. It, it could very easily get out of hand. Um, well, if, if Florida beats Georgia this weekend, they're driving back to Gainesville and rushing the field in the swamp and tearing the goalpost down. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. So yeah. it's a big deal for them. Yeah. Why? I mean, you guys mentioned – the most hated team yeah. was Florida. Why is there so much hate in this rivalry? Because it's Spurrier. I mean, for for fans uh, that are our age and, you know, probably a little bit older than us, Spurrier beat us so bad for so long and came into Sanford Stadium and said, oh, yeah, boys, we hung a half a hundred on them or double nickel or whatever he said. You know, it's Spurrier. Like, and, and by the way, I love Steve Spurrier. Uh, 
I, I mean, I loved him when he was a recruiter. I loved him as a coach when we weren't playing him. I think he's good for college football. But he bred something into that Florida fan base that Georgia has had to beat out the last few years. Fortunately, Kirby has done that for us to make it a little bit easier to stomach him. But, I mean, I think it's because of Spurrier. Uh, he, he ran his mouth. Yeah, me, me and Russ were kind of – we kind of made a pact to be a package deal going to college. And we, we visited – um, Florida and, and Spurrier did have that charisma and that charm, but he was one of those guys that if you didn't play on his squad, you hated his guts. And yeah. I don't know if I'm right. You can fact check there behind the screen there, sir. Um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't 17 out of 20 that, that Spurrier beat Georgia and, and now Kirby's, you know, flipped it. And what it's five out of six that, 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 that we beat. And I think that's off the top of my head. That could easily be wrong. Um, but, but I think, um, I, I think that that's why it matters because, you hate the other side, man. You've been trained to hate the other side. Kirby, by the way, you take on the identity of your coach. And if you think Kirby likes Florida, you lost your dang mind. He was in the heat of that. Like the main heat of that, taking all the, the backlash from the other side. So your coach, you know, you can feel those weeks when coaches walk a little, a little, uh, a little more pissed off, a little more energetic. You can feel them. And I guarantee you, you can feel that around the building. Our our favorite throw red meat to the wolves Kirby clips from locker rooms and all that have come from Florida week. So, yeah, there's something to what my man just said. Yeah, talk about playing in this game. Like, what what is it like playing in a? I guess it's it's not like playing in the swamp. This is this is a neutral site. Yeah. So talk about that, and then also talk about if you guys think this should be a, a home and home type situation. No more neutral site game. Here's what I'll say about the about that place being different. Here's what I always remembered about it. As far as the home and home stuff, I would like a home and home just because I would have thought it would have been cool to play in the swamp. Never got to do a never got to do that. We played in every SEC stadium that was in the SEC when we were there, um, other than Florida. So that's the only reason I wanted home and home was for me personally to be able to play in the swamp. Jacksonville was cool when you, it's cool when you're winning. We didn't like it because we got beat a bunch. But the weird thing, the crazy thing about that stadium was it was never quiet. It's yep. never roaring. It's not like going to Neyland or going to Death Valley and Baton Rouge or going to Jordan Hare or Williams Bryce Stadium. It's not these places where it's just crazy loud. You can't communicate, but it never shuts up because this side is Georgia, this side's Florida. Right. So if you're doing well, your fans are up and at them. If Florida's on offense, they're trying to get it done. Your fans are trying to make noise. If flip flops the other way, Florida makes a play, their fans go nuts. You know, if you're on a road game, I used to love regular road games when we when we beat people. Because it was nothing cooler than to hear the entire stadium just shut the heck up other than that one little sliver of red right over there. That doesn't happen in Jacksonville because somebody is always making noise no matter what's happening in the game. So that was a different experience for me, especially as an offensive lineman. Yeah, different feel, cool feel, cool vibe, half red and black, half, half orange and blue, just a, a strange look when you walk on the field. Did you did you play in Mississippi State like in 05? Yo, yeah. Okay, so I got every stadium but Florida and Mississippi State. I didn't realize you played that in 05. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it's, um, it's, it's different. It's unique. It's fun. Uh, but I do think this will be a home-and-home -home series in the future because it just – you play in every stadium. You should do a home-and-home. -home. Um, you, you, I just think it's, it's more fun to be on campus. Uh, it's more – the neutral sites are cool, but, like, it's fun to have a true home field advantage. And you lose a home game every year, which – Everybody else is going to tell you you lose revenue, which you lose revenue. The teams aren't aren't happy about that. So I think it's only a matter of time. But I've said that for a couple of years, and we keep renewing the thing. So um, I, I could see a day in the future, though, where Kirby gets it 
where, uh, you know, you're at home to play Georgia, you know, to play Florida, and then the next year you go to Gainesville. Real real quick side note on here, because we talked a lot of football here. Let me just stop for a second. And I'm looking at our comments that pop on our screen right here, and my pops, Ed with two Ds, Tanner's commenting on it, seeing my man DP on the screen up here. So shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Ed Tanner, watching us tonight. It makes can, we real get, can we get that? Can we get the Ed Tanner Notre Dame story real quick, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Is that yeah, what you're let's making? go. All right, here Bring we go. it on. Have you heard this, Roddy? No. All right. So Pollock and I took most of our trips together. The difference is I went to Notre Dame on an official, and he went to Ohio State. We didn't take those two together. So I was going to Notre Dame to be recruited. I can't believe you got me telling this story on this show. All right. So at this point in my life, the, the Notre Dame coaches were all excited. We were going to play see Notre Dame play Boston College. And um, when we went up there, they were so excited. Like, oh, you're coming to see the Catholic Bowl. It's going to be amazing. Two biggest Catholic universities in the world. And at this point in my life, by the way, I was 18 years old. I'd never seen a Catholic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Rockville, Georgia, baby. There wasn't a Catholic church within 50 miles where I grew up. So all I knew about Catholics where he had a pope. So it's like they were getting all excited. I was like, I don't know what that means, but all right, cool. We'll make it up there. So I played the game Friday night. We flew out. It was in November. Flew up there to see Notre Dame play Boston College. A little recruiting guy picks up at the airport, me and my, my mama and my daddy. And they pick up the airport. And they're like, oh, Russ, Mr. Miss Tanner, we are so glad. I'm trying to do my northern voice, Bobby. We're so glad <laughs> you're like, here with us today. Is that your Catholic today. voice? Or yeah, you're... it's both. It's both. And he said, we're so glad you're here with us today. You're going to be so excited. The team is already at pregame mass. And you're like, what is mass? <laughs> so we're whispering in the back seat. I'm right now. I'm 40 years old. I've been Southern Baptist 41 years, all right? So when they say, where is Mass, I have no idea. So we pull up on the campus. Anybody who's been there knows the cathedral on Notre Dame's campus is it's unbelievable. It's beautiful. And we pull up, and my dad says, oh, church. I was like, yeah, church. I got that. So we go in the back, and we're about from here to Stadium. For those of y'all not familiar with that area, it's about three miles from where I'm sitting right now to Stadium. <laughs> That's how far we were from the guy up front. And I couldn't, there was no amplification, so we couldn't hear him. He had a headdress and a scepter on. As far as I knew, it was the Pope. No offense to my Catholic friends, but I didn't know any different. I thought it was the Pope. Kind of find out later, I think he was a bishop. I found that out. So he was in the back. We couldn't hear what he was saying. He'd say something, and they'd stand up, and we, <laughs> we'd stand up, too. They'd sit down, and we'd sit down. They were standing up. We stood there. And they start mumbling something. We start mumbling something. We thought it was like responsive reading in the Baptist hymnal back in the day. <laughs> Kind of find out they were speaking Latin. We didn't know that at the time. So this goes on for about 30 minutes. After we just sat down, stood up, about 30 minutes, the guy said a few words. He started praying. When they get done praying, everybody starts walking around shaking hands. Being the fine Southern Baptist that we are, when the man's been preaching for 30 minutes, you stand up and say a prayer, and people start shaking hands. What does that mean? It's over. We go. Time to head to the we house, go. right? Yep, we go. First, so the first guy comes up to my dad, reaches out, shakes his hand, and says, Walked off. My daddy said, I ain't even catch his name. <laughs> and being the proper Southern gentleman that my daddy is from Wrightsville, Georgia, if a man shakes your hand and looks you in the eye and introduces himself, if you don't grip his hand like a grown man, look him in the eye and introduce yourself properly, you ain't no count. That means you ain't worth nothing. So daddy said he caught the next one. <laughs> and my daddy's a diesel mechanic and a farmer. His hands. Big boy. Up. He is a grown man. He is not one to be trifled with. So he said, I caught that next one coming at me over here. And he went ahead and got it locked in. He got his hand ready. 
going to put a vice grip on him. And the guy comes up and reaches out right here and shakes his hand. And the guy said, peace be with you. Do you guys have any any idea what the proper response to peace be with you is? And also with you. And also with you. That is the proper response. The guy reached out to my daddy's hands, shook his hands, said, peace be with you. My daddy said, well, I'm Ed Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't get old, man. I've heard it for 20 years, but it's just so good. Peace be with you. Ed Tanner, by God. Look at me in the eyes. Shake my hand, the guy, sir. The guy walked off my daddy said, they are not introducing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it actually it actually keeps going for a second. The service lasts about another hour. So we're in the back, and when we get done, <laughs> they make two lines going out by the bishop up front. And we get close enough to watch it. We look up. He's got a huge signet ring on. And as two lines come by, right hand, left hand, he holds it out, and they're kissing his ring. And he had a little rag. He'd wipe it off. They kiss ring. He'd wipe it off, kiss ring. Some of our Catholic people can chime in and tell us what that means. Apparently, that dude was really high up in their in their church, in the Catholic church. But we, we get about 20 yards from the front, and we see him kissing that ring. If there's 300 people, we're number 297, 298, 299 <laughs> in line. It gets up there. My dad cocks head to the sideways. He went, meow. I'm like, so what? What do you mean, no? He's like, look at him. I'm 48 years old. I ain't never kissed a preacher's ring, and it ain't starting today. <laughs> Hold the ring up. I did it. I did it. He the ring. I was like, well, I guess Notre Dame's out. No. They do that each week. Peace be with you. Oh, there that's you funny. go. That's good stuff. Um, let's You're, talk welcome. About- You're welcome, America. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up, David. Um, let's talk about some – let's look around the league and see – what we saw this past weekend. We'll talk a little bit about some some football. Penn State. What are, you, what are you writing down? Do you have notes you want to go over tonight? Oh, God, no. I'm just doodling. You know me, bro. I'm ADD over here. <laughs> I thought you had, like, talking points. Like, bro, I'm actually very impressed. <laughs> Pollock, this week, like three weeks ago in our workout group, he told us he was going to start a calendar to get all of our workouts on a schedule. <laughs> He's literally doodling. To, he was going to start a calendar to, <laughs> to keep us on the same schedule. He got off on the first day of the calendar, has not gone back on it yet. <laughs> I started – I'm on the calendar still. I just – I made a mistake and said – I got too I got too aggressive. And then, then, yeah. See, he's not as well planned out as Michigan. No, there we go. Nah. David, David, I got to get your take on this real quick. I know you want to go around the league, but uh, I'm looking at this Washington Post story. And, you know, everybody's like, well, we need to see the evidence. Apparently, the evidence was on their computers. Have you all read this Washington Post story yet? No. No. I've seen the Venmo transactions and all of that stuff. But oh, I that, that's seen this. nothing. So apparently, and, and uh, uh, shout out to the Washington Post for getting this. Uh, I know it's behind a paywall, but we're going to read it anyway. Uh, <laughs> these people spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak. Uh, apparently, this came out because people were looking at what was on the on the computers. And I don't know. It sounds like they got them dead to right. Among the pieces of evidence the firm presented uh, was a detailed schedule of Michigan's planned sign-stealing travels for the rest of the season. Listing opponent schedules, which games Michigan scouts would attend, and how much money was budgeted for travel and tickets to scout these other teams. So they're not only doing it, they wrote it down very well. (laughs) They made a calendar, David. Uh, The opponents targeted the most on the schedule were, not surprisingly, uh, Ohio State. Uh, They planned to attend as many as eight of their games, costing more than $3,000 in travel and tickets. Next on the list was Georgia a potential opponent in the college football playoffs with four or five games scheduled for in-person scouting and video recording. 
at a cost of about uh, three thousand dollars in travel and tickets. So, hey man, stop with stop with the cost. Don't nobody care about cost. They got budgets that are just stupid. <laughs> they don't stupid. Don't care about it. three thousand dollars. They just woke up and wiped their booty with three thousand dollars. Come on now. Yeah, but to me, the four or five games, this wasn't a one-time deal. A, you can't yeah. just say, oh, I was going, oh, yeah, I just wanted to take in a game at Sanford Stadium. Yeah. When you've got a schedule written down on your on, on a calendar, look that up, you know, it's a calendar, and you, you've got the list of who's going? Yeah. Yeah, this kind of feels like that uh, smoking gun dead to rights part. Well, so, oh, yeah. so, whoa, 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 Robbie, you think, you think, you think this means Jack Shiznit cause the, to the NCAA? Oh no, dude! I'm I'm I will tell people all the time. We rivals.com is the only recruiting service that's actually validated by the NCAA. We follow all the rules. We have them come in and lecture us on what we can do. If if we're holding a camp, David, we can't pick a guy up here in Athens. I can't drive him to the camp if he doesn't have a ride. Yeah, which is stupid. But we follow the rules and we have the little NCAA check mark. You know what that gets me? Nothing. Not a damn thing. So I can tell these kids, you know, hey, we, we follow all the NCAA rules, yeah. you know, but it doesn't mean anything. So I tell it, people all the time, it, it, this, I don't expect anything to come of it, but the all the, well, we didn't do it. There's no rule against it. You can't prove it. Yeah. Well, that last one got marked off the, the list. Well, I, I think two things. One, the NCAA sucks. They don't do crap. Um, they, they're supposed to force academic – basically, the only thing they do is declare people academically eligible. They don't even hand out a trophy, by the way. The NCAA doesn't even establish the tro- – hand out the trophy, which is mind-blowing. What? Um, correct. They don't, they, they don't do that. Correct. Um, just it, It's just – it's interesting because Harbaugh said he didn't know anything about it. Um, newsflash, by the way, everybody who wants to act holier than now, everybody steals signs. Everybody. Now, the difference between everybody stealing signs within a game – and going and recording signs is a totally different deal. But I'll tell you this. If you're going to go deep into this and invest, like if you watch the sideline, there's three guys at least. There's arm sleeves, and one guy's active, one guy's not. There's there's boards for, for, for things. Like whoever records this and puts this together, God bless them because it would take some serious brain power, some serious riddling and ADD medicine to sit down and to go through that boring crap and line it up play by play, it's will you get job. things? A hundred percent. But I can tell you this: I'm a, I'm a high school football coach. You watch, you'll 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 learn signs. You can figure some of that stuff out. But as complicated as it gets at the next level, um, you know you're you're gonna have to invest a lot in it, a lot of time, and the juice won't always be worth the squeeze because it's not, you know, it, it's not like it in the. And listen, does it have some advantages? A hundred percent. But you know it doesn't it doesn't completely flip the scale. But like when the Patriots were videoing it and had their walkthrough and stuff like that and their third down calls and all that stuff, like yeah, that's a really really big deal. This is a big deal if you're going to lie about it and try to cover it up. But um, I don't think there's a lot of coaches that are going to come out and speak against Michigan because they know they'd be speaking against themselves because they know they probably ganked some signs too. Here's here's what here's the only thing I think about it because I I don't care. What I agree. I mean, everybody does it. If it's against the rules for the NCAA and they've got this big of a smoking gun and they don't pin Harbaugh to the wall for it, they might as well cease to exist. They're not going to in, a, in about a year or two, probably. They've probably got a year more, maybe two at the most, where they won't exist and they need to go away. I, I listen, you know me, Russ. I'm not going to talk bad about people. I'm going to try not to as good as I can. They don't do anything good for the sport. <laughs> like, there is nothing that I can point to and go, yeah. They make the sport better. 
They absolutely do not. Like, you don't have subpoena power. You can't get anybody to talk if they don't want to. So your idea of enforcing a rule is going to someone who's cheating and go, hey, sit, will you please sit down with me and tell me about it? Yeah. What? You done lost your – no, I'm good. Hard pass. You can't get <laughs> me to speak. I'm not going to speak. Like, it, it's an absolute joke. Hey, Coach Rick tells that right. He said, yeah. if it goes back to the girly days, lie and deny, say it wasn't me, and then they'll t- t- you know slap you on the wrist three years after you're done with the eligibility. So, yeah, yeah, who cares? Well, I always ask people, who who is the NCAA? I don't know. Mark Emmert is he still there? No, I mean, what is the what is the NCAA? National Collegiate Athletic Association. Who's it made up of? Supposedly member schools. Right. It's the presidents of all the right. schools. So when people go, I can't believe the NCAA doesn't have a rule on this. I'm like. If, and, and it's always the presidents and the coaches that complain about them. I'm like, it's it's like complaining about the country yeah. club you're a member of. You get mad about yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes All sense. of you guys get together and change the rules or enforce them or do whatever. It's like politicians saying they're going to root out the corruption. All yeah. y'all are freaking corrupt. <laughs> get out of here with that, John. Yeah, there's two there's two players moving forward, and there's only two players that matter in all of college football. And this might hurt some people's feelings, but the SEC and the Big Ten. Like, the difference between them and everybody else is enormous. And – they're the ones that are going to have the majority of the power. And if I were them, I would start doing it. If I'm the players, I would seek some form of a, a leadership council, some form of a some leadership that they have as people representing them as well with all the money that's going into this pool. But, you know, listen, athletics have changed and the NCAA um, doesn't change great with it. And, and they don't they don't need to really be a part of it. So I. I want to make sure how long we're we going tonight, Roddy, because I mean, my man is spitting fire now and I don't want to cut him off. And I know you got some other things, but I do want to talk about some personal stuff with DP before we end up, by the way, go ahead. On a ser- on a ser- about five minutes. All right. So we got about five minutes. Um, I mean, anything else you just want to say about football there, David, Michael Pollock? Um, learn something. Think about right. I mean, I mean, I, I mean I, I, you look around college football ain't nobody great. That's that's a for sure thing. Like there's who's your, no team. Who's your, who's your playoff teams right now? Who you got the four teams to playoff right now? Um, I think FSU when they play their best is the best um, team in the country. I think they got matchup problems all over the field and can be really really great. I think F, I think FSU will get in. Um, I, I I said Georgia before the season. I don't think Georgia's going undefeated. Like I don't think I don't think we're gonna make it through uh, Mizzou or Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss at Tennessee. I think it's a tough stretch, especially when you just lost, you know, Captain America. Um, but I, I honestly, I think Michigan, obviously Michigan, Ohio State, very much in it. If they're both undefeated, they got a chance to both be in it. Um, I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma losing their best wide receiver is a big deal, and I think it will come back to to hurt them because I don't think they have another dude like that. Um, I, I think it's wide open. Um, I, I'm uh, USC. We know they ain't in it. Bye bye. Um, they gone. But uh, besides that, man, you got a ton of Pac-12, you know, two teams in the Big 12, uh, two teams in the SEC with Georgia and Bama that are still in it. Uh, I think Ohio State and, and Michigan still in it. And we're going to find, you know, some form of that as we go along. But I don't think there's anybody on that, that looks at anybody and goes, they're unbeatable. They're a great team. They're a complete team that, that clearly is the best team in college football. We got none of that. With Penn State losing to – Ohio State this weekend, do you think that they are completely eliminated? Even if Penn State plays Michigan later, Michigan goes to Penn State to play this game. If Penn State can beat Michigan, I mean, what do you see happening there? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's going to matter, and it's going to come into the the head-to-head, and then what what happens with Michigan-Ohio State would matter. I 
I just don't – it's the same old, same old, man. I, I feel like I'm, I'm Groundhog's Day with Penn State and their offense. I mean, you look at their defense and it's elite. Like, you've got dudes that every year you go getting drafted, getting drafted, getting drafted. God, look at Chop Robinson rush the passer. Look at King cover. Like, dudes all over the place. But they can't run the football. They don't have a power run game when they're when they're against when they go against really good teams. So I, I don't think Penn State will beat Michigan, but if they did, obviously it would be amazing because it'd be awesome in college football. We'd have more 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 turmoil. But to me, it's the same old Penn State. And I know that hurts people's feelings, but it's the truth. Hey, that's good. All right, Bobby. You got any other football thing? Because I want to talk about something personal last minute or two, William. Listen, so. we will skip. I was just I, I got some rapid fire questions we can get to here at the end. If you want to talk about some barbecue talk too at the end here, we can bring it. Bring whatever you want. Uh, all right, we'll talk about barbecue for a second. But go ahead. Because, all right. Those, those that's all I got Look, left. I trust David Michael Pollock with just about everything in my life. There's really not any areas of my life I don't trust him in. And he has pretty much complete autonomy in my life to ask anything check anything be know anything about me and i trust him other when it comes to food his taste <laughs> is terrible he doesn't know what tastes good he eats for sustenance not for not for taste he is i can't even say the word the problem is when i start going off on him about stuff like this i want to say words that aren't allowed to be said <laughs> not that i'm on a cuss but it just wouldn't be proper appropriate but he doesn't understand how to eat food i do barbecue reviews he hates barbecue what? I've talked him in to going and eating with me on this Friday on a special Florida Gator Week edition. DP, tell them what we're going to review and taste on Friday. We're going to get some gator tail, correct? What? We're going to eat smoke, <laughs> smoke gator at Smoking Po' Boys in Winder. Wow, they Smoking do it po boys. Listen, I, yes, I'm not with the with the barbecue. That's I'm with Russ for saying that on the air. Yeah, they're getting <laughs> First, some love for it. I'm in. I'm in for everything with Russ Tanner. It's just like Coach Rick because because I, I I know what's in his heart and I, and I love him to death. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm not a barbecue guy. I don't I don't love barbecue. Um, I don't love pork. I don't eat pork. Period. Um, I know beef brisket. That's smoked. I know smoked chicken. It's smoked. I don't like that. Let's put it this way. Somebody came over and chilled at my house a couple weeks ago, and they smoked chicken and they smoked steak. I got home, Russell Thurston, and I didn't even know what they had cooked. I opened the fridge, and I smelled the smoky, smoky nastiness, like just <laughs> disgustingness. So, like, I knew it, and I didn't even know it was there. So, so you not, know. A, not a fan of smoked. If they made if they made a women's perfume that smelled like smoked brisket, I would have eight kids. <laughs> <laughs> You're dang close to it, Ninja. <laughs> That's the right. of the century right. right there. So, oh my gosh. So uh as we as we kind of get ready to wrap up, um people want him to say stuff about ESPN, which he's not gonna do. He's too classy. And um and he's got good opinions of guys at ESPN and and I know it loves a lot of people over there. But, DP, it's been cool to watch as, as a friend of yours to watch you getting – I always say, hey, you got Legos? No, bro, I got fired. So, he got fired from ESPN. But it's opened up a lot of opportunity for you in the last, you know, couple of months. And I'd love if you talk about what you're doing. And I don't know if you want to talk about the November event at all, but if you if you want to talk about that publicly, I'd love to yeah. plug it here as well. So, Yeah, no, no, I'd love to, man. We, um, we, we're starting to grow more and more as a foundation. Uh, we obviously support Russ at – Hope 139, like it's, it's something that's near and dear to our heart as well. But um, the, the the banquet of blessings, we're doing November 20th. And, you know, picture Christmas morning for everybody. 
and how much excitement and how much of a thrill that is for for everybody and especially when you were younger and uh, that feeling you got like I think there's a lot of people in the Athens area that uh, and around that area that, that they've had some hard times and had some struggles and our, our goal is to, to bring in a, a little bit of hope and so Monday the tw November 20th at the Classic Center we're renting it out and we're doing it big like nice china um, tablecloths and uh, we want we want to uh, get all we want to get as many people as we can. We're going to bus in the, those that are in need in the surrounding areas that want a big meal. And, and we're going to serve them. Um, we're going to bring them in. We're going to fill their cup. We're going to fill their plate. However much they want to eat, we're going to fill them. Uh, we're going to have gospel choirs that are going to play music. And we're going to let them know that we love you and that you matter. Because quite honestly, man, we're a couple of bad decisions away from being that. And then there's going to be kids there that are, that are my son's age that, that I'll literally be able to look at and be like, buddy, what, what is the difference between you and that kid? You, you might've, you just born into a different situation. And, and so not all these situations are fair. And not only am I one or two decisions away from being somebody like that, I might've been one decision away from getting caught for a lot of people, right? Like something stupid we had done, you know, throughout the past. So we're going to serve them. And then, and then the, the idea behind the banquet of blessing is then, blessing them with some stuff and we're, we're going to bless them with a new coat like a brand new coat in with a with a tag like rip it off like we bought this for you socks underwear sleeping bag a, a backpack full of goodies and, and some food to go and some hygiene kit um and, and just let them know man that they're and it comes from luke you know 14 12 through 14 and it's jesus's words and he talks about throwing a banquet and who you invite whether you invite the rich and the people that can pay you back or you invite some of those that had some hard times and haven't had some good luck and if you do that, you know, you will be blessed. And and our goal is to, to bless a bunch of folks and, and do it up big. And the Pollock Family Foundation is something that's been, you know, it's just been fun to be a part of, especially since I got canned. Um, you know, my mom would say, let go. Every time I say fire, my mom was like, you got let go. I'm like, mom, it's the same thing. They told me not to come back. Okay, it really don't matter however you want to spin it. My but, e card don't work no more. I'm about to say, the, the code don't work. And I ain't on, but those those are that's like one example of one of the cool things we're doing. Yeah, yeah, David, I'm a big Christian myself. Obviously, Russ uh, is a man of faith as well. How can people who are watching this get involved in something like this? If they can volunteer, if they can donate, what can people do to help out with that? If you go to the PollockFamilyFoundation.com, you'll you'll see exactly how you can get involved. And we have different levels of sponsorships that you can get involved. But I'll tell you this right now. Like this isn't something like that, that's going to be uh, like our golf tournament where <clears throat> you're going to be the presenting sponsor and you're going to have T-shirts and we're going to have your name on it. Like this is something literally we want to do out of the out of the kindness in our heart. And it's for Jesus. Like that's why we're doing it. Like we're doing it to, to really be a blessing. So there's not like sponsorships, but you can go on there and you can look and you can click to be a, a kingdom partner, a legacy partner, or you can sponsor, you know, a person to have food for the night. You know, you can, you can just kick in and you can donate as little or as big as you want, but I can promise you this, every bit of that money is going to go to other people and it's going to go to people that deserve to be served that have fallen on hard times that we're going to hopefully love them out of that. That's the goal. There it is. We got it on the screen right there. So uh, there's Davey with his beautiful wife, Lindsay, Elhop, his son, Nicholas, and his daughter, Leah, um, who are just, I mean, they're, they're a beautiful family. So, you know, man, it's uh, we're, we're wrapping up. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on here. I'm not going to tell you I love you on air because you know how awkward that makes me feel. But I'm glad you came on I here. I love you, big dog. That's all right. Don't say stuff like that publicly. Be quiet. Be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> but he goes down. I mean, it, I, I'll say this for him. 
It's it's not arguable in my book that he's the greatest defensive football player in the history of University of Georgia. There's been some other great players, but that dog is at the top of the list. But to see the impact he now has on people, we talked about Coach Rick earlier, and he he impacted the game in ways that nobody has since him. Nobody's come close. But off the field, man, the impact he has on people, on people that he loves and the people that love him and those that are around is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I just want to be like Davey when I grow up. So there we go. Yeah, baby. Appreciate that, brother. Peace be with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great story. One of my questions for Rapid Fire, we're not going to get into it. We're going to wrap it up here, but uh, was actually the best recruiting story. So that definitely would have taken the cake for that one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, thank you all for tuning in, David. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, joining us here tonight. Um, fans, you can catch us every single Wednesday out here, Wire Park or online. Um, YouTube. Facebook, wherever you catch this podcast at. Thank you all for listening. Um, David, thanks again for being on. Russ, any last words? Go dogs. Go dogs. See you guys hey, next later. week. <laughs>